would be bored to death sitting all day with nothing to do but polish the lamp and trim the wick and rake about on their scrap of garden something to amuse them for how would you like to be shut up for a whole month at a time and possibly more in stormy weather upon a rock the size of a tennis lawn she would ask and to have no letters or newspapers and to see nobody if you were married not to see your wife not to know how your children were if they were ill, if they had fallen down and broken their legs or arms, to see the same dreary waves breaking week after week, and then a dreadful storm coming, and the windows covered with spray, and birds dashed against the lamp, and the whole place rocking, and not be able to put your nose out of doors for fear of being swept into the sea. How would you like that? she asked, addressing herself particularly to her daughters. So, she added, rather differently. One must take them whatever comforts one can. "'It's due west,' said the atheist, Tansley, holding his bony fingers spread so that the wind blew through them, for he was sharing Mr. Ramsay's evening walk up and down, up and down the terrace. That is to say, the wind blew from the worst possible direction for landing at the lighthouse. "'Yes, he did say disagreeable things.' Mrs. Ramsay admitted. It was odious of him to rub this in and make James still more disappointed. But at the same time, she would not let them laugh at him. The atheist, they called him. The little atheist. Rose mocked him. Prue mocked him. Andrew, Jasper, Roger mocked him. Even old Badger, without a tooth in his head, had bit him for being, as Nancy put it, the hundred and tenth young man to chase them all the way up to the Hebrides, when it was ever so much nicer to be alone. Nonsense, said Mrs. Ramsay, with great severity. Apart from the habit of exaggeration which they had from her, and from the implication, which was true, that she asked too many people to stay, and had to lodge some in the town, she could not bear incivility to her guests, to young men in particular, who were poor as church mice, exceptionally able, her husband said, his great admirers, and come there for a holiday. Indeed, she had the whole of the other sex under her protection for reasons she could not explain, for their chivalry and valour, for the fact that they negotiated treaties, ruled India, controlled finance. Finally, for an attitude towards herself which no woman could fail to feel or to find agreeable, something trustful, childlike, reverential, which an old woman could take from a young man without loss of dignity, and woe betide the girl, pray heaven it was none of her daughters, who did not feel the worth of it, and all that it implied to the marrow of her bones. She turned with severity upon Nancy. He had not chased them, she said. He had been asked. They must find a way out of it all. There might be some simpler way, some less laborious way, she sighed. When she looked in the glass and saw her hair grey, her cheek sunk at fifty, she thought possibly she might have managed things better. Her husband, money, his books. But for her own part, she would never for a single second regret her decision, evade difficulties or slur over duties. She was now formidable to behold, and it was only in silence, looking up from their plates, after she had spoken so severely about Charles Tansley, that her daughters, Prue, Nancy, Rose, could sport with infidel ideas which they had brewed for themselves of a life 
different from hers. In Paris, perhaps. A wilder life, not always taking care of some man or other. For there was, in all their minds, a mute questioning of deference and chivalry, of the Bank of England and the Indian Empire, of ringed fingers and lace. Though to them all, there was something in this of the essence of beauty, which called out the manliness in their girlish hearts, and made them, as they sat at table beneath their mother's eyes, honour her strange severity, her extreme courtesy, like a queen's raising from the mud to wash a beggar's dirty foot, when she admonished them so very severely about that wretched atheist who had chased them, or, speaking accurately, been invited to stay with them, in the Isle of Skye. "'There'll be no landing at the lighthouse tomorrow,' said Charles Tansley, clapping his hands together as he stood at the window with her husband. "'Surely he had said...